Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial, episode 7, Force Awakens. Oh. Or, or, or Starship Troopers, either or. I'm Gavin. I'm Dave. I'm Joe. I'm Alex. If you haven't heard the podcast before, basically we recreate a courtroom scenario and we take a film and put it on trial. We're four lads from Liverpool who like to watch films and then bitch about them. You could say we're the film real thing. Film real thing. The, the real thing. Come on, I mean, we're seven episodes in. <laughs> it's understandable that I'm screaming the barrel. Uh, so it's not just us for today, though. We are joined by a very special guest, our friend and colleague, David Roberts. Hello, David. Hello. I like Alien. I don't like Prometheus. <laughs> well, that, Thanks, that's Dave. not... Dave's off now. Bye, <laughs> right, Dave. Uh, it sounds like the type of guy who's listened to our podcast. <laughs> so, uh, if you heard last week, you will know that this week's film on trial is Starship Troopers. So I hope everybody's been boning up and has watched it recently. Uh, a lot of enthusiastic nods. <laughs> uh, but first, before we get to the film on trial, I think it's time for a little bit of news. Oh, you made a joke. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's for weeks and weeks of just bashing on the dollar. <laughs> I thought to try at least... We're, we're getting better at this. <laughs> that, that was the... Uh, well, actually, can anyone tell me what that song was? <laughs> no. No, no. <laughs> yeah, it was supposedly the ITV News. Ah. Yeah. I'm, I'm also running out of news-related songs I can play on the dollar. <laughs> so... If we go around the room, this is a part of the show where we just talk about things that have taken our fancy this week. Newsworthy events. Um, can I start, please, with Alex? Okay. Uh, the, my movie news this week is that Quentin Tarantino is on course to develop a film about the Manson family murders, which sort of caught my eye was look, as I was looking at it. I know we're sort of a bit divided on Tarantino in the sense of you will like him and I, I don't. But, <laughs> but uh, I, I still think that... No. I don't like Quentin Tarantino, no. I, I, I used to like him, but I think... I can't remember when it was. I think it might have been Inglorious Bastards or possibly... No, Death Proof, I think, was... I mean, we can all agree Death Proof was... Mm, yeah, but you can't judge it. a man on Death Proof. Uh, can't you? No. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> you just I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do love him. But no, I, I just thought, to be honest, I, like what we were talking about before, I, I just think Quentin Tarantino really should not make a film about the Manson family murders. Whatever I think about him, uh, it should be. Dave was saying, you know, it should be held. It should be handled with sensitivity. It's like victims are still alive. You know, mm. people who committed the crimes are still alive. Quentin Tarantino isn't the subtlest of directors. Can we? I mean, would you agree? He's not exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. think he's going to handle this. Sometimes he's gory for gory sake. Yeah. And yeah. when it's a true life event that was already pretty gory in the first yeah. place, as you said, I don't know if he'll be able to handle it with the sensitivity that it deserves. I think there's a real possibility he's going to do his whole thing of over scripting things and making Manson into a sort of a. I don't. You know glorifying him I think or making him a very sort of cult character a cult figure which is terrible which is a really bad yeah it's true <laughs> but more so you know bringing him out to the wider masses I, I don't think I, I no I'm, I'm well, dead against it the most disturbing news for me from that is that he's thinking about casting Brad Pitt mm. who you all know I can't stand yeah. can you imagine Brad Pitt playing Charles Manson in this film 
<laughs> is that what you said? Yeah. Oh, I'm just guessing. I mean, yeah, if Brad Pitt's yeah. going to be in him, it's a film about Charles Manson and the Manson murders. I, I hope not. I don't think he's got what it takes as an actor <clears throat> to pull off a role like that, to be honest with you. I don't think he's got what it takes as an actor to pull off a shirt in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, Samuel Jackson's going to be in it as well, which, you know, obviously pretty standard, <laughs> standard for, for. And Margot, is it Mar- Margot Robbie is going to be playing oh, yeah. Roman Polanski's wife which, oh Sharon Tate yeah Sharon Tate I, I have heard that Jennifer Lawrence is in it though and I really do like Jennifer Lawrence do love she's Jennifer a fantastic Lawrence. actress don't want her in a Quentin Tarantino movie like her that much don't, don't, <laughs> don't, don't want her anywhere near it what if there's nudity in there no from <laughs> even from Samuel <laughs> so uh, Joel what is your piece of news um, ok so my news is based on Kingsman 2 and the villain has been revealed as Julianne Moore so she's kind of being portrayed as like um, the quote here is uh, play a kooky sweet Stepford wife style villain that at the same time is lethal and crazy and intelligent so I thought that was pretty cool, you know, definitely something different, which I think Kingsman is pretty much what it's all about, to be honest. It's like a, a different take on, like, your kind of modern spy film. So I just thought, um, you know, definitely it looked interesting, and I'll definitely, you know, be going to see that one, I think. Yeah, I've seen I saw it recently, the first one. Um, I think it's uh, something that the Bond movies have been lacking a lot lately. goes back to the kind of campy, fun... So it's big characters, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Lots of like, one, one eye, 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 one because no. he's been heavily publicised, he's on the poster, he's on the trailer. How though? Because he was yeah, heavily yeah, shot yeah, in the yeah, he was so. shot directly in the eye, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, I mean, can you imagine sitting down to watch Kingsman 2 yeah. and Con Faith coming back on the screen and how much of a big surprise yeah. that would have been? That would have probably... Uh, it's, it's one of these things, isn't it? Obviously, they want to get people in to watch it, so they'll say, I've done like Colin Faith in the first one, let's say he's back in it again. But I've just seen the reveal. But they sort of need fantastic. to fact, they need to factor that into the way they make the film. If they know they're going to reveal it in the trailer, then they can't make that a big reveal because it's going to really sort of like oh, people ruin, the, yeah. ruin the Kingsman too. Because it'll be like building up, building up, building up. Gone first in it, and the whole audience goes, "Yeah, yeah we know." Yeah, cool. I mean, there's a poster was um, well, he'd already been advertised as being in the film. <laughs> then the poster came out, which was a pair of glasses, one with a gunshot um, in one of the lenses, and the quote or the tagline for the poster was something like. Um, rumours of my death have been greatly exaggerated exactly so when the trailer comes out and it's like the very end bit of the trailer is this big reveal like oh look Colin Firth's in it everyone's like oh yeah we, we kind of got that you, you've yeah. just revealed that in the last thing and now you're revealing it yeah how many times can we try and do the same reveal it and then when it actually happens in the film I'm hoping the surprise will be that Ben Kingsley will be in it Britain's greatest actor. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be the real surprise. Yeah. The, the, ben, King, the ben Kingsley men. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reveal. I'm still looking forward to it anyway, regardless, because I thought the first one was great. And I think the second one will be great as well. But, you know, saying that, I have just looked at my Facebook memories and about this time about seven years ago maybe six years ago uh, I put up a status saying that I had a uh, quote 
massive boner for a certain <laughs> film that was coming out and I had tagged the trailer for Suicide Squad <laughs> <laughs> so we can all be wrong yeah. we can all be very very wrong I wonder <laughs> how many statuses you have referring to your boner as well oh, <laughs> there's, there's more oh, than, honestly there's more than do you know an even fri- more frightening one came up the other day uh, no, not boner <laughs> <laughs> but uh, memory on Facebook and it was me saying how excited I was for Die Hard 5 oh. it's easy to be excited for Die Hard 5 though isn't it I know you didn't know no we didn't no, did you? <laughs> <laughs> a hell of a marketing campaign. A lot of people got swept up in that one. Yeah, yeah. broken bones right twice a day. So, Dave, uh, what is your piece of news of the week? Uh, the news I've gone for is Belfast Film Festival has attracted a bit of criticism because they've decided to show two horror films, The Exorcist and The Omen, in a deconsecrated church. Hmm. This has led to a bit of an uproar. A uh, local priest has said that it's uh, that it's a lack shows a lack of basic human respect for its former parishioners. Moments before he was impaled by a lightning rod. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, speaking of sensitivity, you talk about the uh, the Quentin Tarantino making of Charles Manson film. Is this a little bit insensitive? Do you, do you think it is? Do you think it? Should? No, it's been out of action for forty years. This yeah, change yeah. it was deconsecrated forty years ago. I know. And it's just, it was an open building to be rented for whatever purpose. I think showing a couple of films is not... If it's not being used, I don't see a problem. Maybe if it was like an hour before Sunday Mass or whatever. (laughs) 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 Yeah, to be honest, I think the church and, you know, figures like this, they always hurt themselves more by the outrage. You know, I don't think think it's... Maybe it's more about the film, like being The Exorcist, maybe if it was something else it wouldn't be you know it's such a big a deal I think it's quite a good film for a Catholic church to get behind you know pa- power of God wins exactly. sorry spoiler alert spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> was the church that was used in the omen was that the consecrated first uh, I, did, I couldn't tell you I don't look into that I, I mean um, how much marketing free marketing have I had yeah. has this festival got now because of this one priest yeah. you know, yeah. the next yeah. stage is, is probably going to be him stood outside the door like spraying people with holy water <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the power of Christ compels you yeah. no uh, it's uh, yeah I mean yeah. what are you surprised there was yeah, like, PR thing. Yeah, PR thing. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's as you said, deconsecrated. It's not a fully functioning church now. I mean, we've got the we've got the, the fully functioning. We've got the uh, bombed out church in Liverpool. That is always you showing classics. Really good stuff. Yeah. I think they showed um, Frankenstein or um, one of the original Draculas. Uh, you know, nobody was kicking off about that. I mean, if, I mean, it depends how. Um, what, what state the church is in I'm guessing because the bombed out church doesn't have a roof or it's true, s- yeah. some sad so yeah. yeah you see Antichrist there wonderful swinging it so uh, my piece of news for the week is about James Bond Daniel Craig has said that he will probably return for another James Bond film James Bond 25 <laughs> is it we're all looking at Joel and Matt because when we had this discussion a few weeks ago he said that he was, he was pining for it and yet he doesn't really seem that arse now uh, but my, my main comments was that um, Daniel Craig had said that he would rather smash a glass and slash his wrists open than play James Bond again so uh, reports of Daniel Craig being rushed to A&E <laughs> for emergency wrist surgery grossly <laughs> exaggerated but what is everybody's thoughts of Daniel Craig returning Dave? I'm made up I'm very happy to see him return I think he's been a good Bond uh, I think it's been a bit hit and miss he's done a bit of a brosnan he's like hit, miss, 
hit, miss. As far as I'm concerned. So hopefully, if the odd if the odd numbers work out, we're on for another hit, and he can retire on that. Dave, are you you're a big Bond fan, aren't you? I mean, how have you found Daniel Craig as, as Bond? Yeah, I liked I liked Casino Royale. I thought it was a it was a good little movie. A, set, um, a couple of scenes that didn't really need to be there, but the whole thing, he did a good job. I think the last three have been kind of the same thing. And as I was saying earlier about uh, Kingsman. And even even the Jason Bourne films, I think they've kind of taken taken the ideas and, and ran with them. While Bond films are kind of doing the same old thing, I think I think we need a change. Down with Daniel Craig, I say, mm-hmm. for Bond at least. But I mean, there are only strong rumours at the moment. But Barbara Broccoli did come out and say, "I am a component of a nice, healthy meal." and <laughs> that um, Daniel Craig is most likely going to return for the next film. I'm pretty sure it's confirmed now. Oh, is it? Has yeah. it been confirmed think, now? As soon as he says that, it's like, yeah, he's... Yeah, I'm still going to spend money on this Yeah, oh, you know. He did verbatim say, if I was going to do another James Bond film, it would only be for the money. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like money wins again, guys. At least he's honest. Is <laughs> Sam Mendes directing? That's my only real Well, query. they're trying to get Christopher Nolan. Uh, they're also getting... Uh, uh, Adele back to do the, yeah. the soundtrack. So Adele's been signed on. Adele, 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 Adele. Yeah. Chris Nolan. Chris Nolan. I don't care. It looks like it's going to be a good film. But then again, I did say this. I've been fooled before. Okay, guys, I'm going to wrap it up there. Thank you very much for your news topics. They were delightful. Yeah, hey. Nice. Hey. See, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know that I've had like 20 odd years of piano lessons. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're going to move on to talk about the trailer or poster of the week. Uh, now, we have all just kind of scrambled around watching trailers in a frantic mess before the show, and we all came across the new trailer for Cult of Chucky. Is that what it's called? Cult of, Cult of Chucky. So it's the new child's play film. The trailer, in my opinion, it looked alright in comparison to what the previous Chucky films would look like, where they've gone too much of a comedic spin. It seems to have returned more to the natural horror elements, but it didn't look great, it didn't blow me away. Um, Alex, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm not a horror fan, so it's just not really made for me anyway, but no, it, it just looked like, from my perspective, it just looked like an extremely generic a horror movie that's not even got an original idea so like absolutely not for me you know if it, if it was <laughs> if it maybe had a what's it called it, it comes in a night or something like that just oh, just yeah, out, yeah, yeah. that's that looks interesting that looks a little bit different yeah. that sort of piqued my interest a bit but another Chucky film I haven't seen any of them no intention haven't seen any of them at all nope don't right. yeah, no. well your comment means nothing Joel <laughs> <laughs> you should have started with that Joel have you seen any of the Chucky films before uh, yeah I think I've seen the first two um, but to be honest like well I'm not a, a horror film fan but like a film about a doll just you know kind of it just doesn't scare me. I think if it's going to be about a doll, it needs to be something kind of like, um, you know, almost kind of spiritual, like Annabelle or something like that. I find that a lot more scary. Hey, this is spiritual. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the doll <laughs> of Chucky okay. gets... Uh, Possessed by a serial killer. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it is like... I just think of regrets every single time. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. Dave, have you ever been scared by Chucky at all, ever, in, in your whole 30s? No, like, I mean, I know Alex was making some comments about the film before. I've always seen the Chucky films as 
kind of comedy it's kind of horror parody really and I don't think they'd be taken too seriously so I can take it with a, with a pinch of salt I can laugh at it and I'm not, I'm not too you, bothered about it are you going to catch it at the cinema no, no no I probably will end up catching it at some point yeah I am a horror fan and I tend to watch crap horror films thanks <laughs> to a certain person sitting to my right <laughs> <laughs> hey they're good to some people to, to me uh, but I, I, I disagree I think if you go back and watch the first Chucky film, uh, First Child's Play, directed by Tom Holland, is a horror film, is now now horror film, and there are bits of it which are quite scary. The, the way he plays with the tension throughout, so you don't actually know if the doll is alive or not, if it's Andy is, is imagining things, and then when Andy kind of discovers that the doll is coming to life, nobody believes him, so it's playing on the child's sort of paranoia. Um, you know, children are always afraid of things in the closet or under the bed so it's just a stupid kid what does he know sort of thing so it really does play up that sort of that tension that childhood innocence as well but as you said as it goes on and on it gets worse and worse um, I mean the last three or four have been god awful I mean Tom Holland left the, the project a hell of a long time ago and he was right to do so to be honest <laughs> Did anyone know how many Chucky films there actually are I was just going to say I bet you there's about eight Mm, there's too many Child's, there's Child's Play 1, 2 and 3 and then there's Case of Chucky Bride of Chucky then I think they did a remake um, and then this new one so 7 perhaps it, it's funny with horror films like no, not many other films do it but it's like they reach a certain number and the plots just get ridiculous I'm thinking of stuff like uh, you know Jason goes to Manhattan is that the title Jason yeah, goes yeah, to Manhattan yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Jason yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like Friday 13 6 or yeah, 7 J- or J- Jason X uh, well, there's a new Saw film as well yeah. Yeah. so there's like Saw 6 yeah. and then Jigsaw Jigsaw the beginning yeah it seems to be the case with like all kind of of those kind of um, you know kind of serial horror movies where they reach like a certain number and they're just like but they're just bankable they're not they're just going to make the money yeah, yeah. And after a certain point I suppose Chucky fans are going to go and watch um, the Chucky films so yeah. So yeah, I mean, um, you, I mean, you get up to the silly numbers, like, like seven films. You just like, do we really need to see the same tale again? I mean, is the Force Awakens really that good? I mean, that's that's what we're all asking, here, <laughs> now, isn't it? Isn't it? I'm going to ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. So I think that's a good point to move on. So we have been brought to the main part of the show, which is bum bum bum. Right, that's me doing a drum roll, but I can't roll. There we go. Uh, this is Films on Trial. And this week's Film on Trial, as we said before, is Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers, things are gonna fight me. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys, you all know the words. So, uh, just to give a bit of a brief synopsis, in the distant future, high school kids are encouraged to become citizens by joining the military. What they don't know is that they'll soon be engaged in a full-scale war against a planet of alien insects. The fight is on to ensure the safety of humanity this summer. <laughs> so yeah, so that's, that's the part right there. So, acting as the judge this week, it's going to be me, and I'm going to be a very stern judge. No bullshit in my court, all right, guys? I'm sorry, I got a bit carried away with the role there. Uh, Acting in defence this week is going to be Dave, 
and acting as the prosecution is going to be Joel. That means that the impartial character witness is going to be Alex. But don't worry, because this week you've got some backup in the form of our good friend David Roberts. Hi, it's me, uh, Denise Richards' character. <laughs> Back you up from space. Thanks, Denise. <laughs> <laughs> so, what will happen here is I will give both the prosecution and the defence each a couple of points to discuss and they're going to counteract and then Alex and Dave will come in with their bits of information and opinions I for one I'm actually really grateful that I'm in the judges role this week because I've had two bastard weeks back to back first I was going against Star Wars and then I was pro Suspiria which felt like an onslaught to be honest <laughs> I'm still really really good at the them on the shit list but I, I'm, I'm going to let bygones be bygones and all I want to say is good luck guys because what your argument is going to sway which list this film ends up on the hit list or the shit list I'm not going to use any knowledge of my own about the film I'm going to base my decision solely on your arguments so with that point I'd like to say Joel can you please start the ball rolling yeah so I'm going to start off with the acting and it's kind of it's one of those films where it's actually hilarious but when you think about it it's not really meant to be funny um, and there's so many kind of instances of this um, one of the ones which is my personal favourite is um, Johnny Rico's kind of given the the kind of squad leader role um, because apparently he just kind of loses natural leadership um, through his uh, you know talentless acting um, but there's a but there's a scene on the uh, training ground where for some reason um, Johnny Rico tells one of his squad members to take off his helmet which is brain dead to begin with because you know that just absolutely never happened you pretty much always keep your your helmet on it in that type of scenario but then um, obviously it all kicks off and um, one of the troopers kind of gets like a laser to the eye and then he falls back fires his gun and it blows uh, blows one of the other troopers heads off Literally brain dead. Yeah, literally like his brains are all over the floor. Um, like he may as well have been decapitated. And uh, Johnny Rico is there shouting for for a medic. <laughs> medic, get the brick stick. Um, which I found to be, you know, absolutely hilarious. And I don't think it's meant to be funny, um, but it's just in there. But kind of leading on from that point, there's also uh, kind of also. Uh, other little bits like that like there's the there's the scene where they kind of get led to the base where there's like a distress call and there's like one guy alive like the captain he's hiding in the cupboard um, and he's just like you know completely scared out of his mind and then obviously the bugs attack because it was a trap um, and the cap there's like flying bugs and all this type of stuff happening at that point and one of the flying bugs like lands on him and crushes the captain and <laughs> And then two of the troopers kind of look at each other and like they do almost like a little Fonzie, like a little giggle to each other as if it's like almost as if, you know, somebody's just like slipped on a banana skin or something. Um kind of like hilarity. Um and they just kinda laugh at us laugh it off as a joke. Um, but I'm just going to combine something else with this um, which isn't really to do with the acting but basically whenever anybody dies uh, Johnny Rico seems to like advance a rank by like the by, like, by the end of the day he's almost like squad captain which is kind of hilarious in itself um, but other than that you know the, the, the best performances are in the film 
um, are the minor characters like Jake Boosie we've got Neil Patrick Harris Seth Gilliam Dean Norris Amy Smart in there as well and it kind of shows you how bad the main characters were that all the minor characters and people who had like smaller parts have gone on to have the best successful careers from this film um, and this, it's just full of like uh, you know stupid war movie cliches like I'm not sure if they're intentionally terrible performances um, <laughs> so it kind of plays off the satire but you know if it is true we're still watching a dumb badly acted you know film that's pretty much indistinguishable from the movies that it's kind of like you know kind of trying to copy from basically or uh, glamorise and that type of thing but on the whole the acting as I say it's funny and I found myself laughing at it and I enjoyed it because it was funny but that's not the point of the film it's like watching Star Wars and coming out thinking it's a comedy <laughs> when it's not so I think I'll leave that point there and pass it over to, to Dave oh, thanks thanks a lot Joel so unintentional or intentionally terrible performances what's your opinion on that Dave? I think it's a bit unfair to say that all the performances are terrible. I will grant you Casper um, Van Diem. Casper Van Diem is, yeah, wooden. He does not give a good performance. Denise Richards, again, not a great performance. But I would say they're the only two. I'd say everyone else, from Dina Meyer, the Michael Ironside, Brenda Strong, all give decent performances. I don't think you can really fall that much. They do what's required of them in a 90s action movie about bugs coming and attacking Earth. They do all that is required. We're not looking for Oscar bait here. And it's just, I will admit, I will admit, the leading man is stilted, and that may affect your judgment in the end. But the, I think the rest of them do a decent job. Uh, you know, I'm, I love my character actors. I got Michael Ironside. I got Clancy Brown. I, I got a treat here. Yeah, I got an absolute treat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Alex and Dave, or Big Dave, I should say, to differentiate, is there anything that you want to discuss with regards to the acting or the cast? Uh, well, I do. I you know I do see what Joel means when he's talking about the characters' reactions to, to events. He's he's right when he says sometimes if you know it is unintentionally funny. And you know we were you know I was laughing at it just you know when they are like poking fun at like some guy's head being cut off and it's like yeah that is good but actually shouldn't they care because you know that's the commander that's just being killed. You know so look, look, it is sometimes I think it does get a bit confused because you're like this is funny but it's not meant to be funny. So yeah, I can see what. Uh, where Joel's coming from Casper Van Dien he just has a good chin basically he just has a really nice jawline and that, and that seems to get him through the entire film like, it's, it's a heck of a jawline but yeah he's not at all a good leading man um, so yeah no, the acting is pretty terrible in it but like you know because it is mainly watching it for the bugs being exploded and you know grenades being thrown into things and nukes going off and stuff like that sometimes the acting you know it doesn't it doesn't matter as much but yeah there are significant moments I think in the film when it could the, 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 the scene could have been better in the hands of a better actor so yeah a big day if anything yeah I think um, I think with Casper Van Dien and uh, Denise Richards I think it was I think it was intentional to have people who are kind of uh, dead behind the eyes. <laughs> everyone else, dead inside. <laughs> everyone else is like, I think, like I say, Michael Ironside, um, uh, some de- is it de- Dina, Dina Meyer. Yeah, the rest of the cast, all great, lots of, lots of energy. But I think those two were deliberately chosen to be the main characters because, like Joel was saying, it goes from this, like, 
uh, high, almost like high school um, high school drama into war and, and I kind of enjoyed watching these just like um, very good looking but completely crap actors <laughs> kind of get thrust into this and I think it was deliberate uh, for something that I'm sure we'll touch on later um, with the kind of that's all they've got that's all they've got their good looks I, so put a gun in the hands that's all these people are good for I, I, I just love the idea of a casting couch Paul Verhoeven casting the lead and just going I'm sorry we're not going to call you back because you're not dead inside you've got something flickering behind your eyes but so the whole afraid. thing about I'm, I'm sure someone will touch on it later though. so it's a bring it up before but the whole propaganda thing that comes mm. through it you get the two good looking ones in front doesn't matter if they're you know smart too yeah, they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're front and centre, and I think uh, I think that's intentional. I think it's all worked in like that. I mean, it's still trying to be impartial as a judge here. You've, I think you've got to look at Paul Verhoeven's um, major hits oh. like RoboCop, Total Recall, Basic Instinct. The leads in that will actually maybe just RoboCop and Total Recall. Basic Instinct. Beyond the greatest actors, yeah. uh, both the surrounding cast. Is great. I mean, I'm not, I think Peter Weller is a great actor, but in the role of Robocop, he was restricted for you know purposes of the film. So I don't think he can judge <laughs> to his, it to his mouth. Yeah, but I, I'll pass it back to Dave because <laughs> I think Dave's, <laughs> Dave's got some more to add on this. Yeah, I, di- I didn't mention the, you say the soldier's reaction to to outlandish things happening around him, like uh, the commanding officer being squashed. I didn't mention yeah. that because I don't think that's an acting issue. No. I think if the director didn't like the way they were playing that scene, he, he would have cut that. It's badly directed. It's, it's not necessarily badly directed. It's just the way it was directed. <laughs> <laughs> Prosecution in disguise. <laughs> just, just wanted to ask a question. Sorry. No, whatever the law is, always going to be the prosecution. <laughs> no, I think it is down to direction. If he didn't like the way the actors have played the scene, he either would have told them to do it differently or just cut them from that scene entirely. So I think I it think is down to right. direction. I don't think that's necessarily bad acting. If you, if you didn't like it, I think that's down to, you, you would call it bad directing. If you didn't like it, I don't it necessarily is I think it's part of the satirical element that they brought where it is supposed to be it was playing on from the novel that was released in the 1950s of Starship Troopers the satirical element comes in it's like the, the, the dare I say sorry to any listeners from America if we haven't yet but it's the American military idea of yeah war we're going to go all out we're going to win some of us are dead it doesn't matter we're still winning and it's just like yeah, yeah. that's what he's lampooning so someone getting crushed on the battlefield, although that would never happen in a real war, it's that kind of idea, that, that exaggerated right. militaristic idea maybe he's trying to satirise. Maybe. Food for thought. <laughs> so um, you mentioned the terrific supporting cast there. Uh, one of the names you did mention was Michael Ironside. Uh, I absolutely love Michael Ironside as an actor. But for years, I genuinely thought that he was missing an arm because everything that I saw, <laughs> he was missing an arm. So, with that point, I'd like to bring us to our favourite part of the show, which is Quiz Dave. <laughs> so, this one's called Michael Ironside is Always Losing Limbs. AKA <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, Starship Bloopers. So, uh, so, the first one, Dave, is uh, can you tell me which body parts Michael Ironside is missing in the film Starship Troopers? Uh, it's his arm. Uh, yeah, well, it's something else. Yeah, which, arm? which arm is it? 
Um, I'm trying to picture it in the film now. Is it his left? Yep. Uh, but something else happens to him later on. He's not just content with missing. You know, <laughs> he loses both of his legs below the knee. <laughs> okay, now in the film um, Visiting Hours from 1982, he's also missing a body part. Uh, uh, what, what is it? Is it is it a hand? Uh, well, it's uh, it's his left arm again. He uh, oh, severely okay. mutilated <laughs> left arm. Uh, okay, now I can uh, see why you were thinking he didn't have one. <laughs> now, Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. Which body parts are Michael Ironside missing? Now, I want to say his left arm again. To be perfectly honest with you, <laughs> quite close. It's both of his hands, <laughs> which are replaced by metallic claws. Okay, now moving on to one of my client side's most iconic roles, Total Recall. What is my client side missing? He would be missing both of his arms after they were taken up by an elevator. Not quite content with just missing one arm, he decided to go whole hog and lose both of them. So moving on, Highlander 2, The Quickening. Which body part does my inside lose in this film? He loses a few, he loses his head eventually, can I have that one? Yeah, 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 he does, he loses I'm, his I'm head. Guessing, I'm guessing he loses an arm or something. Probably, <laughs> I think he just writes it into every contract that he signs. Um, so, also, The Machinist, underrated classic from 2004. He, he loses an arm. Funnily enough, I remember that scene well. <laughs> can, can you remember which is arm? His, is it his left arm? It's his left arm, yes. <laughs> and also, um, Guy X from 2005. Uh, this is this is sort of an underrated indie gem. Uh, but can you guess which limb Michael Ironside may be missing? I want to say left arm, Gav, I really do. Oh, I'm sorry, Dave. It's his left leg. Oh. And his left arm! <laughs> okay, uh, we've got one more. It's uh, Masters of Horror episode, The V Word. Um, so he only loses one body part here, and here's a clue, it's not his left arm. Is it his left thumb? <laughs> no, it's his head again. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I think he, he, they got to him and said, listen, Michael, we can't have you losing your left arm again. <laughs> and he said, oh, okay, we'll just chop my head off. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry for that impromptu quiz there. Uh, moving on. Dave, what would you like to discuss as your point? I would like to discuss the cast. I know this ties in with the acting a little bit, but I just want to talk about some of the, the gems, the unsung heroes of this film. I like to talk about Michael Ironside. I think, I think we've covered Michael Ironside. I feel in my defense of him, I can just put a picture of Michael Ironside down on the table, and you can just look at that for a bit. Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown, another Highlander veteran, may I say. Brilliant character actor, does a great job, I think, as the drill sergeant. Oh, L- yeah. Later, busted down a private. What from? He's from Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, yeah. he is. He's the captain of the guards of Shawshank. When we were watching it. Alex turned to me and said, "That's the guy from Shawshank Redemption. Has he ever made anything more successful than the Shawshank Redemption?" I said, oh, "I think he's uh, the voice of Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob." <laughs> <laughs> there was some hot debate about whether that constituted better than Shawshank. That, that is also true. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He generally is. Yeah, better or not, I probably. Imagine it's made him a lot more money than the Shawshank. <laughs> but sorry, sorry to interrupt there, Dave. No, 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 that's fine. I'm happy to talk about Clancy Brown anytime, because what an addition to any cast that man is. <laughs> Uh, Brenda Strong another great character actress added to the fold Dina Meyer I've already said you know saying she never got the roles that she should have done that's not because of this film John (laughs) it just doesn't work out for some people Uh, yeah I just want to talk about the cast they've got a great little ensemble cast Jake Busey um Gabriel from The Walking Dead, whose real name? Seth Gilliam. Seth Gilliam. <laughs> I, I, I think of him as the guy at The Wire. And The Wire. Yeah. And The Wire. For, for a variety of roles he's played, yeah. to be honest. It's a great uh, little ensemble cast, it really is. 
So, Joel, Dave's argument is that it's a great ensemble cast. Your argument is it isn't. <laughs> Would you like to go into more detail about why the cast isn't that great? Well, no, it, I'm not going to argue with it. Like, it is a great cast, but like I said before, the best cast is the kind of background characters who go on to have the better careers rather than the title characters, which obviously isn't great for the film when the background characters are more memorable than people like Casper Van Diem and Denise Richards. Okay, so your argument is that the main focal points of the film... For example, sorry, just to cut you off, Seth Gilliam there, uh, Gabriel from The Walking Dead, he is the one that sacrifices himself with the nuke in the hole at the end, which makes uh, Johnny Rico and Denise Richards get away. And then it turns out somebody else had captured the bug as well. But I think of moments like that rather than really anything from the other characters, maybe other than the shower scene. (laughs) Go on, Joe. (laughs) No, no, let's leave it at that. (laughs) But uh, you mentioned the, the, the shower scene there. I think this brings us nicely onto Alex's trivia of the week. I do have my trivia of the week. Uh, I was searching through it. My trivia is that the shower scene, which we probably all know and love, especially when we were, you know, 12 and we first rented <laughs> this film out, uh, is that actually in the shower scene where everyone's naked, Paul Verhoeven and the cinematographer were both naked when they filmed it as well, <laughs> as part of a dare. So, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I don't think the, ca- the cast wouldn't agree to it. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, they asked him to do it yeah, naked and said, if you want us to get naked in like a co a shower scene, it's like, you've got to do it as well. And, he, and, he and that's what I did. And that's what Paul Verhoeven's been telling people all these years. He just turned up. Oh, hell, somebody said me to. It doesn't matter who. So, Alex and Big Dave. Uh, is there anything uh, I mean who, who do you lean more towards here Joel or Dave is the cast good or is it not uh, well you know Joel said he couldn't argue with the cast I, I, I'm going to a little bit because I'm not sure if it's that uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's that good I mean yeah there's some memorable luxury supporting actors in there like Michael Ironside and stuff like that but I don't think there's anyone that really Clancy Brown is very much a bit part in it you know he's, he's, he's in a couple of scenes and yeah he's at the end but he's not a big role and I think I would have liked to see the Michael Ironside role go to someone else possibly a bit more yeah no I know I'm going to go against Michael Ironside here I, I think he could have had a bit you bigger... named me one actor <laughs> who could have lost so many limbs with that much dignity <laughs> uh, I, I, I think it lacked a, a really big star like a proper just well respected good star that could have sort of led the film a little bit so no I'm, I'm going to say the cast was good I'm not saying you know Jay Busey all of those people you know it's fun cast but it lacked I don't know it lacked a who, central who, who figure would you, who would you pick well Sean Connery so just, <laughs> <laughs> Sean Connery William Shatner that kind of works so I think the whole film relies on its schlock it does, and it if does, you get a respected actor in there, yeah, it just loses something because yeah, because the, yeah, the whole film is it's stupid. Yeah, but that that could be part of it. You know, I don't know. I don't know who. Michael could inside, he knows what he's doing. He he's the world's leading limbless actor. <laughs> he knows how to play that. Yeah, I, I, but to be one of the main criticisms that was faced uh, to Casper Van Dien was that he wasn't Argentinian, and the role of Johnny Rico in the book 
is he's from Argentina. And the film as well. And the yeah. film. So uh, you know the, the main criticism there was clearly not from Buenos yeah, Aires. Yeah. Not from Argentina. I so, didn't want to bring this up because you know it doesn't, doesn't take much for racism and sexism to come up in these podcasts. <laughs> so I was just you know I'm going to leave the Buenos Aires thing out of it. Well, to, to be honest, I, all I was going to say is if Sean Connery would have done the role, I'm sure he would have been able to do. His <laughs> accent in the first scene would have been incredible. <laughs> realistic Argentina. It sounded like all of those other accents that he does they kind of sound a bit Scottish oh did you mean did you mean he got an Oscar did you mean replace Casper Van Dien with uh, I'd, 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 I'd replace most actors in most so, films with Sean to be honest Sean Connery playing everyone yeah, yeah, yeah that would be nice anyway um, <laughs> so we've, we've just discussed the cast I'm going to bring it back to Joel is there another topic that you want to touch upon yeah, so I want to talk about the plot and it's just a little bit all over the place. So, for a start, like, why are they even using, like, ground troops to fight the bugs when they could just, like, nuke the planet? And, like, people could say, oh, you know, why don't you just bomb them, you know, wherever. But these are just bugs. There's no other life forms on the planet. You see it there. And kind of speaking of that as well, if there's no other life forms on the planet and the bugs obviously are carnivores and they eat the humans and stuff when they're there, what the hell do the bugs eat? <laughs> and how do they like sustain themselves yeah. in the first place? Um, so there's that side of it. You know, they could just literally nuke the planet. They've got all, all this technology, as you see, like with all the massive ships and all that type of stuff. And there's even that scene where um, like they call in like an airstrike or whatever or air support and they like just level like a shit ton of bugs and you can see like how effective it is but um, the action sequences basically are just kind of joyless you kind of they all follow the same thing it's just like bugs um, like all the troopers just fire kind of countless rounds at them which must just be like nerf rifles or something the bugs like impale the troopers with the like giant giant legs rip them apart and then you know pretty much eat what's left of them and then somebody comes along and like grenades the bug or whatever that's literally what happens over and over again um but there's just kind of other little bits in the film which just don't make sense like the scene where they first land on one of the bug planets and it's all kind of kicking off and everyone like you know kind of gets killed and then johnny rico gets the he gets like a, a bug spike through his leg or a claw yeah. or whatever and then, you know, you're thinking, oh, fuck. Like, it, it, the scene ends with, like, a bug, like, um, you know, launching launching itself at him. He's just, like, lying on the floor. Um, and then it just kind of cuts out face to black. Um, and then, like, he's just in, like, what looks like a kind of like a Bacta tank or whatever from Star Wars that just, like, recovers people. And it's like, how the hell did he get saved? Who saved him? Like, he was literally about <laughs> a millisecond away from getting his face munched. Um, it just doesn't seem to matter. It's just because he's got like a good, good hair and good jawline that he's just he's just still alive. Joel, you're supposed to be a. He's <laughs> 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 not talking about his goddamn handsome jawline. <laughs> um, th- then a lot of other bits in the film is just very, very predictable. You know, like when Johnny Rico and I've forgotten the kind of talentless woman's name. Um, kind of eventually have sex it's pretty much almost obvious that that woman is then going to die like very shortly after and of course like she does Um, 
and also the fact that Denise Richards and, and Dina May are kind of sex symbols and the, like the Carmen, Rico, Dizzy triangle, it's just, it's not interesting because the characters just don't have any personality like it's whatsoever. Fair, isn't it? It's just, yeah. it, 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 I don't know. Um, but then, just kind of close an argument, there's obvious, like, blatant references to, to the Third Reich. I mean, I'm not sure if they're, like, a pro-Nazi, but there's this bit in the film, it says, um, it praises the bombings of Hiroshima to begin with, and then it says, naked force has resolved more conflicts throughout history than any other factor. Um, and it's basically saying you kind of get ahead in society by signing up to the military, and he just kind of glorifies war and he glorifies fascism and there's no kind of obvious point or no obvious kind of reason why he does it it's not like it's it's you know kind of set and the Nazis have taken over Europe or whatever it's just it's just a pointless part of the film to be honest so I think I'll, I'll leave it there Okay, thanks, Joel. So we've got uh, no good female characters, disjointed plot, and pro-fascism. Dave, (laughs) 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 what do you have to say about that? Wow. (laughs) Right. Well, first of all, I'll I'll tackle disjointed plot. That seems the most mild of those three things. (laughs) Disjointed plot. Quite simply, does it really matter? You're watching a film about high school kids battling bugs on a foreign planet the planet's called Kandathu by the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah check your facts <laughs> does it really matter if there's a couple of, of, of holes in the plot really is anyone really that fussed or are you just there to see bugs get shot and blown up could we not have both though? Can you not have a, a plot? I mean, why not? Have You've a got a plot. Did you say you you <laughs> why? Why didn't they? Why didn't they have ground troops to do it anyway? But this is a society that's all about everyone. Ju- that you can only become a citizen by being in the army. So the guys in charge, obviously, they want everyone to go through through the grinder. All the old people have got like arms missing. To bring him up again, my client said. He's got one arm, there's the guy who shakes Rico's hand, and he's got one arm and no legs. There's the, um, I can't remember what she is, she's like one of the teachers, like a scientist. She's blind or scarred. So all the old people are all bent, scarred, and horrible. They, you know, the next stage is you get the younger people in, like Rico and Denise Richards and um, Boosie and all those guys. They go through the grinder, and at the end of the film, you see what looks like. 14, 15 year olds yeah. all lining up and it's just this is how their society works is you fight and you fight and you fight and you fight until you know you're not you're not really anyone which is going to be the next point I want to tackle yeah, yeah, it, it is was. satirical yeah exactly so you send people down doesn't matter if you can nuke them or not doesn't, you, you want those people to go down and fight and lose all the humanity okay, okay Dave so, so the, the fascism the part of this you're saying it's satirical then is that, is that your argument there I was talking about the militaristic lifestyle there, but it's uh, but the fascism. It's not satirical. It's supposed to be lampooned to a degree, I think. It's all about the fascism elements. We're talking about Neil Patrick Harris's uniform, by any chance, which is a blatant rip-off of like a Gestapo officer. I was like, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the officers behind the lines that aren't doing any of the fighting are portrayed as fascists. Yeah. The fascist uniforms—they look like very Third Reich kind of uniforms. That's deliberate. That again is kind of a protest. The film is not pro-fascist, it's very anti-fascist. Simply by showing that the officers pulling the strings, not in harm's way, are fascists. The, the average trooper is not. I agree okay, with that. So, uh, so 
Alex, I mean, you seem to have some concerns here. <laughs> I, I haven't inhaled. <laughs> I've been trying not to shout. Uh, I, 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 I think it's... Weirdly, it was only when I was watching it again and I started thinking about it, I actually feel this film's just pro-fascist. I think it's interesting you're saying it's anti-fascist. Because I've, I've been thinking for ages it's just massively pro-fascist. Like, Neil Patrick Harris comes out dressed like a Nazi, right? And, you know, I mean, it is just clearly dressed like a Nazi. And if you have a character that's dressed like a Nazi, the Nazi must die in the film, right? But when the, ca- when the character that's dressed like a Nazi walks off arm-in-arm arm with the main characters giggling into the sunset... That's kind of like, whoa, hang on a minute, that guy was, why was he dressed like a Nazi? I, you know, it's really like, when you're watching it, it's like, whoa, whoa, why is he dressed like that? Why has he got this big long leather coat on? I think the whole thing, you know, I actually, um, I'll be honest, I Wikipedia'd fascism on the way, on the way over. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, it did say on the Wikipedia page, it was like, you know, societies that are based purely on military, and it's literally got a phrase, military citizenship, you know, it's it's not actually if it was parody, parodying it or satirising it, it would be saying more negative things. I don't think there's anything negative being said about the society. I think you're meant to be on the side of the humans all the way through. I think the, the things when it's talking about Hiroshima, like Joel brought up, that's just not questioned. That's like, yeah, no, the Hiroshima bombings were correct. It's a very militaristic society. It's all about might, power. Everyone's dressed in black most of the time. Um, people are dressed like Nazis, and there's nothing said about it. So, no, for me. I don't. I don't see the. I don't see the the, the satire. Do you not see the mirror being held up? No, yeah. I, I just see the. I just see the fascism. But go on, like, you know, I'm interested to see. You know, where did you the the anti-fascist bits? The anti-fascist bit. Did, did you like Neil Patrick Harris's character? Um, Granted, he survives. Start at the end. He survives it. But at the end, you're on his side. He does the right thing. The last scene you see of Neil Patrick he, Harris yeah. is him. He saves them, doesn't he? At the end. Sorry. The last scene you see of Neil Patrick Harris's character, he's probing the brain bug that they've captured. He stuffs this giant mechanical, almost torture device into its mouth. Mm. They put a censored thing over it because that's what the news do. Again, it's very satirical lampooning of the news and their coverage of tragic events. But that's the last thing you see of him, him probing this, this helpless, afraid creature. You know, he says at the end, you know, it's afraid and they all cheer. Like, that's something they'd be proud of. You know, mm. I know you've captured your enemy, but you've got... Uh, a fearful creature cornered you're then going to probe it and torture it it's like this it is it's holding up a mirror it's okay this guy won he survived sometimes fascism wins but you're not meant to like it you're not meant to accept it so you that's interesting so you do, you're not on the side of humans at the end of a film you're kind of on the side of the book you're pleased that the characters you've followed on this journey have survived even though they're but you, at the end of the film, I do think you wonder, you know, have the, have the right guys actually won this? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, there is that thing at the end where the, you, your feelings towards the books have kind of gone 180 because of that whole scene that Dave's talking about. But Dave, a big Dave, sorry, you were mentioning about the fascism before. Is there something you wanted to add well, there? The book, the original book by uh, Robert Heinlein, he wrote it deliberately because him and his wife, and presumably some of his mates, were all um, they were like pro uh, pro nuclear proliferation they wanted to know, like um, we shouldn't be descaling de- de-escalating rather against like the Soviet Union he wanted people to do military service he thought um, like juvenile delinquents needed to be dealt with more harshly you know all the things that you kind of laugh at in the film he was like absolutely pro this the book that he wrote was like fascist no he, he believed in all this yeah yeah and then the guy who wrote Robocop oh sorry directed Robocop comes along just a bit satire and he just kind of flipped it, flipped a book, book on its head to make a satire of those beliefs 
I agree. I think he did a really good job of that by just kind of um, blowing it out of proportion. I, 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 I could just say I agree that you know we could discuss the book, which is very arguably pro-fascist and, and pro-nuclear arms. Yeah, and you can discuss that till the sun goes down. But the film, I do think, is it's not meant to be that way. It's not an exact carbon copy of the book. And I think the the morals and the ideals behind it, I can't believe we're talking about morals and ideals in Starship Troops. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> the morals and the ideals yeah. behind it, I think, have been flipped, as Dave says. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, and there's me just thinking it was a cheesy 1990s sci-fi action film. Well, no, it's deep, it's deep action. <laughs> Yeah. So um, I was all ready to use the Con Air defense and say, "Don't take this too seriously." <laughs> <laughs> well, that works for Con Air. It's on the <laughs> so I think I think I'm going to wrap it up there. Uh, uh, what I would like to do is just pass it back to you guys for some closing statements. So, Joel, have you got closing statements? For this? Yeah, I've, I've actually got a quote which I found on the internet when I was researching Starship Troopers, and I think it pretty much sums it up well. It says, "It's exactly like Star Wars." If you subtract a good story, sympathetic characters, intelligence, wit, and a moral purpose. Ah. Is that it? <laughs> That's your point to read somebody else's notes. Well, to be honest, that was a scathing did, review. Did MC Gainey say that? <laughs> <laughs> MC Gainey's wise words will help you with Now, Dave, can I please have your closing statements? Yeah, I'll, I'll be a bit more rounded about this one there's a couple of things I wanted to bring up I wanted to mention the special effects which I can't there's nothing to go on about the special effects do still hold up today yeah, though yeah. they're pretty good special effects uh, the score as well is actually pretty good if anyone anyway, YouTube Kandathu drop from the Starship Pupil soundtrack okay. it's actually quite a good piece of music <laughs> there's a couple of good bits in there as well it is a good score and now the plot I will admit is a little disjointed it's a little tongue in cheek it's a 90s action film about bugs being fought by humans it's not going to be Citizen Kane but what you could have here, if you scratch beneath the surface, Joel mentioned no sympathetic characters, maybe they're not meant to be all that sympathetic. Maybe you're supposed to be going for the uh, the trooper on the ground, but maybe this, this, the human race is not always worth saving. Maybe there's a deep satire to this film that is often overlooked. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Uh, so, Alex, uh, describe this, way, this film in one word. Fascist. <laughs> Big Dave, describe this film in one word. Fantastic. Okay, so two very different opinions there. <laughs> very fascistic indeed. Well, this is this is the end of it really. I mean, I just need to come up with the decision. Watching the film, I, I was in two minds. I thought I'm going to let these guys argue for me. Um, I think you both put up a good fight. Uh, I agree with a lot, a lot of what Joel said. Um, the bad leading actors, I mean, it is quite undeniable. Casper Van Dien is a reason that he hasn't really been in that much since 1997, to be honest, apart from Starship Trooper sequels. Um, and <laughs> oh, <what's> the, <laughs> and, uh, and um, no f- good female characters. Um, I mean, I, I did like <laughs> Dina Meyer's character in it. But I, I don't think that she had a lot of kind of uh, backstory to her. <laughs> what was that, Dave? I wanted to counter that one. I forgot about that. <laughs> okay, right. So, so yeah. So, I mean, that I also agree with a lot of things that Dave said. I think that it's a really great supporting cast. 
I do think it is a very tongue-in-cheek film. I think you have got to go into it with the thought that you know it's a 1990s sci-fi film. It's it's not you know Arrival. You're not watching kind of a, a futuristic realist look at you know at space or aliens. You're looking at a film about exploding bugs, which is exactly what Dave says. And I do think the fascism in it is is very debatable. When I originally watched it, I did think that it was. Uh, sort of pastiche it was a, a bit of a tongue in cheek I mean I know Paul Verhoeven himself grew up in Nazi occupied Netherlands uh, so I, I do think it would be really? yeah. I don't know. yeah 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 and I, I, I know that when he was reading the book he couldn't bring himself to actually finish huh. reading it because he said it was garbage so we had to get somebody else to read it for him so I, I wouldn't think it was pro I mean maybe he could have directed it a bit better so it was more uh, obvious that it was a pastiche or it was a sort of um, you know a satirical look of fascism but uh, I do I do think that it was a satirical look uh, however my final decision I think is that this film is going to be placed on the shit list what? I'm sorry Dave hung his head there so low it was almost touching the you, floor Dave you got Conair alright <laughs> I'm sorry I mean you're watching it myself I do think that I was I was quite close to placing it on the, the hit list, but judging by Joel's defence and also some of the input from Alex and Big Dave, it swayed me a little bit, and I think it's had to end up on the shit list. It might be that it's at the very top of the shit list, but it's on the shit list nonetheless. I'm sorry, Dave, you put up a good fight, but it wasn't good enough. You should be ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> so that draws us to the close of the films on trial section. Just to say, the film that we're going to be reviewing next week, we have pulled it from the hat as the court has been in session, and it is Spider-Man 3. Yes, celebrating its 10-year anniversary this year. Was it a triumphant close to the series made by Sam Raimi, or was it an absolute pile of garbage we will find out next week we've also drawn the roles so in judge uh, it's going to be Alex in defence of Spider-Man 3 it's going to be myself in prosecution it's going to be Dave and that means that the impartial character witness is going to be Joel who knows maybe next week you'll have backup in the form of Dave Roberts again <laughs> but I just want to close this podcast by saying thank you very much to everybody who has listened so far. We really, really appreciate it. We're trying to get them up and out as quickly as possible. But hey, who knew that making a podcast was so damn difficult? I <laughs> uh, just want to say you can follow us on Twitter at Film Trials. Now you can see some of the stuff that we're posting. You can also recommend films for us to review. Uh, you can also follow our graphic designer, the person who has been providing the artwork and posters for each film, which is Winston Sang at the underscore quirks. Now, if you want to listen to the actual podcast itself, you can do that via SoundCloud. It's soundcloud.com slash films dash on dash trial. And also, the last plug is that you can listen to us on iTunes. Just go onto iTunes on the podcast section and then on the search bar, type in Films on Trial. Please give us a like, give us a follow, leave us a rating, a positive one or else, <laughs> and give us some feedback as well, bad or negative. I'm only joking. It's, it's good to hear, to be honest. So we just want to say thank you very much to everybody and hopefully we will see you next week when we will be reviewing Spider-Man 3. Goodbye! Bye.